Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Episode 40 of the Mike and Mo Show. I'm Mike Calandrillo, he's Maurice Moten, and we are back. We are bigger and better than ever. We're about to talk some... Wonderful football action, crazy things going on. We are already about to uh, start week 11 of the NFL season. The baseball hot stove is heating up. We've got trades involving the New York Yankees. Things are looking uh, pretty fortuitous for my team. I'm going to touch a little bit on the NBA, but of course, before we get into that, Mo, welcome to the show. And uh, what else we got in store? Before I get into the whole sports thing, I'm going to tell you, people, I'm going to warn people early. I'm going to give you guys a lesson for you athletes out there. I'm going to give you guys a lesson on how not to get extorted by Instagram models and strippers. That's yeah. coming up later. Nice. Good stuff. Okay. Um, we're going to talk, as you said, about some NFL football. Major announcement by Tony Romo. Maybe not major as far as Cowboys fans. But they're just happy they're winning. But I think this is a poignant announcement he had to make uh, midway through the season. As Mike said, a little bit of baseball. Some honors were, were handed out. Trades are heating up. Interest from other teams heating up. And, of course, we're going to end it off with some picks. Uh, we didn't get to pick yesterday because of the Saints and Carolina Panthers already playing the Thursday night football game. But we'll move on and try to improve on our horrible picks from the previous week. <laughs> but we're going to start with Tony Romo's announcement. Now, he came out and basically said, this is Dak Prescott's team. And he understands, you know, what's going on here. And we, we all saw this coming. The Cowboys are, I believe, now, what, 8-1? Nine, so man. they're not going to make any switches. And, and, and as long as they keep winning, why, why mess it up? And this was my argument when they were 4-1. This is my argument when they were 5-1, and one, and so on and so forth. And obviously, the, the smarter heads in, in the front office agreed with me. And they said, why are we going to wreck this train when we're winning? And I don't think Tony Romo is ever going to take a snap again in Dallas, even though Jerry Jones has said there's no consideration of, of letting this guy go and, and it being his last time in Dallas. But I think it's pretty much over at this point. And his, his announcement pretty much said it because he said, number one, it's Dak Prescott's team right now, right now. Number two, he's also said he's not done playing. He feels like he has more time, more left in the tank to, to put together some more touchdowns and some wins. So, the best thing that would happen for Romo would be him going to the front office and saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm the all-time passing leader for this franchise, which he is. He bridged the gap between Aikman and the current. If you remember, between Aikman and Romo, we had a bunch of Quincy Carters, John Kittners, Matt Castles, uh, uh, Chad Hutchinson. I mean, yeah. Dallas was pretty bad at the quarterback position until Romo came over and took over for Drew Bledsoe. Um, but if I'm Romo, I just go to the front office and I say, hey, look, I'm the all-time pass leader for this franchise. The least you can do, I put it in work here. I know Jerry treats his players very well, and I'm sure he would accommodate and say, hey, look, trade me. Or if you trade me, if you trade me, trade me to a team I want to be traded to. If you can't trade me to a team that, that's willing to take me in for a good deal and it's not beneficial to you, then just release me and I'll find my way and I'll pick wherever, I'll pick my own destination. I think that's the best case scenario for Romo and the front office. Now, people have, we're a cynical society, and people have criticized Romo for his announcement, which I find ridiculous, because people said, hey, he's reading off the paper. Is it really sincere? And, and I, saw, I saw the announcement. I saw the video. And yes, he is looking down at the paper. He's looking up at certain points. But you got to understand, as, as Mike and I do this show, sometimes we, we get off the show. I'm sure I do this. I don't know about Mike. I'm speaking for myself, actually. Sometimes after the show, I, I, I think about things that I should have said. Sure. Or I left out, okay, I left this out, I left that out. And certain times when you're talking and you're just ad-libbing everything, as I do so well, um, sometimes you still leave out some good points. And I think Romo, in this, in this sort of situation, he wanted to have everything. He wanted to write down everything and make sure it, it was clear. Because he didn't take questions during his press conference. It was just basically him talking, and he basically said, I hope I answered all your questions were what I'm about to say. So when you're reading off of a paper, you can kind of basically read everything you wrote so that you know you included everything you wanted to say and you said it clear versus getting up there and just ad-libbing everything. And you may leave out certain points or some certain things may be ambiguous and there may be questions to follow because we all know how reporters are. 
If you don't fill in the blanks, they will fill in it for you. So I think Romo did the right thing. And number one, getting up and getting out in front of this whole thing and saying, hey, it's Dak Prescott's team. It actually puts Dak Prescott, who's a rookie, puts his mind at ease knowing that his veteran knows that, okay, it's his time to shine. Number two, put it out there to other teams that he is still willing to play some more football. So he will be available if the Dallas Cowboys let him go or trade him. Number three, it, it's just being the bigger person because we all know how hard it is. We don't all know, but it is very hard to lose your job to someone else. I don't know if any of you have ever worked at a job where you were doing something for so long and all of a sudden someone else comes in and is able to do the job better than you and you get replaced. I remember watching the Fab Five documentary. Rob Palenka, James Vosco, and Eric Riley all spoke about being upperclassmen and losing their jobs to these freshmen, to these freshman fanatics and people. And people, and well, actually, they were. They said it, it was hard. Of course, those players were able to come off the bench and still contribute, whereas Romo was on the sideline. He can't play, but it still hurts the same because here you are. You again, you've been doing something for X of years, and now you have to relinquish that to someone who's new and basically fall to the background. So I give credit to Romo for standing up, being a man, and saying, "Hey, I, you know, I'll take one for the team. I'll sit back and watch it. If if you need me, I'm here." But I'm still willing to play after this year. No, oh, it was a wonderful speech, I thought. Very sincere. Uh, you know, he kind of laid it all out for everybody to see. And my new favorite word is meritocracy. I, uh, I'm i going to try to use that word at least twice a day. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it, it's funny. Fickle Cowboy fans, you know, hated this guy when he was the number one. And now I read an article earlier today that said, well, we should have treated Romo nicer. Well, you know, it, it is what it is at this point. He will most certainly be in a different uniform next year. Uh, if I had to pick today, I'd see the, probably say the Denver Broncos, among many other teams that need a quarterback. It, he'll be okay. He's made a lot of money. He'll come back. He'll be somewhere else. And the Cowboys are in great position for the future between Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott. Um, you know, the future is bright in Dallas. And, uh, you know, it, it's ha- it happens. It, you know, it, there's always that unwritten rule that you shouldn't lose your job to injury, but we've seen it over and over, and we will continue because it's just the way professional sports works. You know, it, it's, uh, it may not be fair, but it it is what it is, and, uh, you know, it, it'll eventually work out for all parties involved. Yeah, it, 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 if you lose your job to someone who's a rookie or a young player, and you're good, you're a good veteran, you're a productive veteran, chances are you're going to land on your feet and, and be okay. We saw this most recently, obviously, with Peyton Manning going to the Denver Broncos, and you mentioned it, that Tony Romo would probably fit there because and it's, it's, a, it's kind of a similar, similar situation where Romo would have a a big receiver like Des Bryant, Damaris Thomas, Damaris just has to be able to hold on to the football. Mm-hmm. And then he'll have a quick play receiver in Emmanuel Sanders who can catch and run. And then he's got two running backs, Devontae Booker, and I'm sure CJ Anderson will be back next year. So if he goes there, I'm sure he'll be happy. The other option I'm hearing about is the Arizona Cardinals. Warm weather. Uh, you don't have to deal with the elements unless you're on the road. You got a three wide receiver set that's pretty good. You got David Johnson. You got a pretty good defense, even though they're not playing like it right now. And you have a head coach who understands offenses in Bruce Arians. So I think those would be the top two uh, best places for Romo. I don't, I don't see him in a Jets uniform, even though I joke a lot about the Jets going after him. I don't see him going to the Jets or the Bears because both teams have issues with their offensive lines. If you're Romo and you've had all these collarbone injuries, you don't want to go behind a shaky offensive line and get hurt again. You want to go out in the blaze of glory. You at least want to contend for a Super Bowl. So you can't do that with the Jets or the Bears right away. So your top two options, obviously, again, would be the Broncos or the Cardinals. Either. Not such a bad situation. All right, that's it. We'll be right back with Open Mic. Open Mic. you preseason that the Packers would be four and five in third place in the NFC at this point in the season you probably would have said nah son nah nah not happening well it's happening Mo and there's a lot of controversy going on in Green Bay the media is calling for uh, Mike McCarthy's job obviously four and five not so good especially when the uh 
Detroit Lions are up there uh, ahead of your team. Uh, Aaron Rodgers came out in the media and said, uh, quote, I think it's ridiculous. I think people don't understand how difficult it is to win in this league and win consistently. The success that we've had here, it's tough to do, and we've set the bar pretty high. Now, obviously, uh, you know, Rodgers took over for Favre back in 2008, which was the same year that McCarthy took over the job. So these two, you know, they have a kismet thing going back. But, you know, there's got to be something to it here that, Perhaps Mike McCarthy only has this job because he won that Super Bowl. I mean, he does have eight uh, playoff appearances and has a 642 winning percentage in 10 plus seasons. But again, when you see guys like Lovey Smith get bounced in year two and yet a guy like Mike McCarthy is going on, you know, 10 plus seasons, uh, you know, there's something there to be said of, you know, OK, well, I guess that the Super Bowl will get you a couple extra seasons, but how can he really keep his job if this team, you know, even if they go eight and eight, which will probably won't be good enough, you know, maybe well, I should say maybe because it's such a, a, a flip floppy division. But if they don't make the playoffs, they go eight and eight. Should Mike McCarthy lose his job? Absolutely not. Now, I think this is over. I think people expected Green Bay to do so well, including myself. I actually had Green Bay going 14 and 2 in the preseason. Huh. So I probably would have said, I probably would have said, NASA, not bro. <laughs> going to be 14 and 2 this year, but obviously I was wrong, dead wrong on that one. But I wouldn't fire him simply because, and you said part of it. He, he has, he's, he's won about 64% of his games as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. I mean, I believe his first year he was 8 and 8. He has a Super Bowl. And I believe they have, I'm counting it up here, seven seasons of double-digit wins under McCarthy, under McCarthy. So I think it, once it, once you have a great team that's been good for so long, actually take a nosedive and people start to panic. Now, mind you, the season is not over yet. For all we know, the Packers could still finish 10-6. I mean, it doesn't look like it right now, but it, it's still possible, mathematically, that is. Now, I want to just go for a, a small tangent here. Now, People criticize Aaron Rodgers a lot for being condescending. But he, he didn't throw his coach under the bus in this situation. Yes, he, he may have thrown his, thrown his teammates under the bus when he said something about, you know, we need to have more energy on the field a couple of weeks ago. But he didn't throw McCarthy under the bus in this situation. Now, I want to I wanna transition over to Ben Roethlisberger, what he said after last week's loss to the uh, Dallas Cowboys. He basically said, we, we're not disciplined and people aren't accountable. He subtly threw his coach under the bus, Mike Tomlin. So this is, you have a quarterback that's basically sticking up for his head coach, who he's been with for, for a decade. And then you have another quarterback who's basically, again, throwing his, his head coach under the bus, saying we're undisciplined, because we all know that falls under the head coaching branch if your team is not accountable for the actors on the field. So I don't think, I, I don't think the Green Bay Packers move on unless Green Bay completely knows guys where they're under 500. Let's say they finish... I don't know, 6-10, which I don't see happening, mm. or 7-9 and nine even, and there's a rift in the locker room, then, okay, if he loses the locker room, different story. But right now, the most important person in that locker room, who is Aaron Rodgers, is sticking by his head coach, and that, and that speaks volumes. All right, so let's stick with another team in, in that same North division in the NFC, and you got to look at Minnesota, who started off so fantastically, and people were saying, you know, this is a team that's going to contend for a Super Bowl, and all of a sudden they're, what, 5-4, and 4-5? Four, four and five? I mean, the same, same situation's going on. Sam Bradford, even though he threw for 300 yards last week, looks like the Sam Bradford rolled. He's throwing these eight-yard out passes, these quick slants, which is fine, and it's working to a certain extent, but obviously with no Adrian Peterson, there's no running game. Uh, you know, it's still hard to believe that the, that the Vikings gave up a first-round pick to the Eagles for Sam Bradford. I, you know, it just does not look like a team right now that is going to contend. You know, even if they get in the playoffs, it doesn't look like they're going to really shake it up because, like we always say, your defense can't be on the field this long. They're going to break down, so it's inevitable. So if you had to pick a team out of this division – to actually go towards the playoffs, is it the Packers, the Lions, or the Vikings right now? I'm going with the Packers simply because I'm sticking with my preseason pick that the Packers would go far. I have too much pride to bail on my pick this early. I, again, I think the Packers' demise is a little bit overblown because I say it all the time. They, their top three cornerbacks are out, and I, and I believe two of them could come back. Micah Hyde and Quentin Rollins both practiced, one in limited fashion, one had a full practice this week. So if one or both of those guys are back, it could be a different Packers team. Now, about Matthew Stafford and the Lions situation, they're going to have to pay him because what I would do is I would just put the Jets and the Browns up on the chalkboard and say, do you want to end up like these teams without a quarterback? <laughs> I don't think you do. 
So I'd rather be in contention and mediocre in an in NFC North division rather than not have a quarterback and be the Jets and the Browns who are who are basically competing for a top top three pick in the draft. So whether you like it or not, Lions fans, you're gonna have to you're gonna be stuck with Matthew Stafford for the long term. And I know Lions fans wanted to trade him at one point last year after Calvin Johnson retired, but you, you gotta understand this is a quarterback league. You either have a quarterback or you don't. It's not a coincidence that the NFC East and the AFC West are the two most competitive divisions in the league. Why? Because all eight of those teams have their quarterbacks. Yes, I call Kirk Cousins a real quarterback. He's no longer Whoa. a fraud. I'll give him that. Wow. He's earned it. He, he's earned it. He should get a long-term deal at the end of this year if he keeps playing the way he's playing right now. But, again, all those teams have legit long-term solutions at the quarterback position. If you don't have a quarterback... You don't have a chance. But, I mean, Matt Stafford is having a great year. He's got 18 touchdowns and just five picks. But do you trust this guy enough to give him a $25 million per season contract, which is which is what he wants to become the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL? I mean, I know he's 28, but we've seen Matt Stafford now for quite a long time, and we know that he's either really, really good or really bad. And he's, you know, it, it's been more bad than good. Could you, if you were the GM of the Lions, would you feel comfortable knowing that this is a, a passing league? Would you feel comfortable giving a guy that much money? What I would do is I would kick the can down the road, franchise tag him, <laughs> let him prove himself again for a consecutive year, and then if he does, then I give him the money because, in all reality, what's the alternative? Yeah. You know, so unless you have a veteran alternative or something like that, you have to stick with what you have because there's no guarantee that the quarterback you pick at the top of the draft is going to be ready. I mean, look at Jared Goff. He's going to start his first game in week 11. It took 11 weeks for him to start his first game. So even if you get a top pick, you don't know if he's going to be ready or or will he pan out. You look at RJ3, who's picked second overall, and he hasn't panned out due to injury, of course, but you just never know what you're going to get. Stick to what you know. At least with Matthew Stafford, you know you can be competitive. No, oh, it's very true. Very true. All right, let's move to a uh, – there was an accident on the field last week. A bus ran into Rob Gronkowski and uh, punctured his lung. And if you didn't see the game, that bus was Earl Thomas. I mean, an absolutely – huge collision uh Gronkowski went down like a ton of bricks and, and you know you, whenever Gronkowski goes down and, and stays down you wonder you know what happened now because the guy as big as he is uh, he takes takes quite a while up on the field and he's had his his plethora of injuries over the years so uh we did allude to that that perforated lung and it looks like Gronkowski's availability for this week's game against San Fran is now in question because he was not cleared for air travel. Now, is this something where obviously it looks like the, the Patriots are going to run away more than likely with that AFC East? Do you pay, pretty much say, Gronk, you know, stay home, hang out in mass, and we're going to go with Martellus Bennett? Or, you know, is, is it one of these things where, uh, you know, Bill Belichick is playing coy and he's going to get his boy out there because he just, that's Bill Belichick? What I think Bill Belichick does, and he's very smart with it, of course, he hasn't disclosed too much info on injuries, but in a couple of games early in the season when Rob wasn't fully ready to contribute, he had him out there, but he played maybe a, a handful of snaps. So I think if he's active, you're going to see more of that. He may be active, quote-unquote, but he's not going to play that many snaps. Now, if you look at the Patriots' schedule, they have the 49ers this week, then the Jets, then the Rams. So that's three games in a row. If, if Gronkowski is legitimately hurt and he, let's say he's injured but he can't play, I sit him out because you're looking at the long term. You're looking at the playoffs. And you can beat the 49ers, the Jets, and the Rams without Rob Gronkowski. This is part of the reason why you have Martellus Bennett. He's just as capable as Rob Gronkowski and racking up the touchdowns. I believe in one game, Bennett had three touchdowns in, in one outing. Yeah. So you don't really need Gronkowski. You got Brady. You got all of these uh, receiving options out of the backfield at running back. Look, the guy at Blount is looking like one of the best running backs in the league right now. Yep. And don't forget Julian Edelman. So you have you have weapons. You don't need to put Rob out there and put him in jeopardy of being, or I guess, puncturing that lung even more or giving him problems or just slowing up his recovery. So sit him out three weeks, bring him back against the Ravens, who usually play the Patriots pretty close, and you move on from there. Well, if anybody knows Maurice Moten, they know that he loves him some Instagram. 
And mainly he loves Instagram for the Instagram models. Well, it looks like he loves them as much as my man Von Miller, because Von Miller is wrapped up in a legal battle over a sex tape that was recorded while he was vacationing in Cancun months ago. Now, according to uh, documents obtained by the Smoking Gun, it looks like there's a man with a pseudonym named Doe is petitioning an L.A. court uh, judge to block a woman he had sex with from distributing or selling a video that she allegedly recorded on her phone without him knowing that's the issue we have here now according to documents doe happens to be von miller now mo we talk about athletes and how it's so easy for them to you know get certain things and you know they've been you know they have certain lifestyles that you know most people you and i probably wouldn't have but you just have to think as a dude as a guy with some money you don't even have to be a football player you have to watch out for you know instagram models girls like that in general but my man he did not so it looks like my man is actually being extorted according to what uh von miller or doe is saying but for 2.5 million dollars for the video to not be released uh by there's an la businessman that named kevin blatt that i guess brokers the sale of these sex tapes which you know how do i get that job um so I mean, do, do we really even need to give Von Miller advice on this? I mean, how how do you let something like this happen? It's 2016. You just you would hope that you know, as as much as maybe this guy say I'm in love with an Instagram model, you just you got to know there's just some people that have ulterior motives. Yeah, have you seen the Instagram model he was dealing with, Elizabeth Ruiz? No, and, but I so- want I will so shortly. I haven't though. Yeah, please Google her. Okay. Um, I don't blame Von Miller for his... If he is a single man with no strings attached, I don't blame him for having relations with her. But, but, these athletes, and you, as you said, people in general, I mean, why are we recording ourselves? If you if you don't want a possibility of your, your escapades getting out in the public or being posted on Facebook or YouTube... Don't record yourself, people. Like, I don't, I don't get what the fascination is with recording yourself in that situation. If you're an athlete and, and you don't want to be caught up in these sticky type of situations, I'm going to give you a quick checklist on what to do, okay? Not because I know, but just because I, you know, I'm well-rounded, so I can kind of, you know, guide you on these things, all right? So real quick, a checklist. Number one, check the pillowcase. Make sure there are no hidden cameras there. Check the headboard. People can get sneaky and implant things in the headboard and you never know. Check all lamps. That includes lava lamps, night lamps, kitty lamps that were ninja turtles. Doesn't matter. If something <laughs> looks off with the lamp, check the lamps, okay? Bring your own condoms. You don't want any uh, situations where there are holes in your protection, okay? Oh. That goes for offensive lines and quarterbacks, and that goes for you in the bedroom. Uh, last thing, keep your fiercest friend on speed dial just in case you're in a robbery situation because you never know. And we saw this with the Knicks, and I know this is at a strip club, but this can happen at a hotel or at a place of residence that a person can lure you to a hotel and a stripper or model, and then she can have her homeboys waiting for you outside the hotel room or outside somewhere to, to basically just rob you. Or she could rob you herself. So what you want to do is you want to have your friend on speed dial either parked outside or close nearby so that something happens you dial two or something, or you just send a quick text, a letter Q, whatever. <laughs> and he'll come, and he'll, and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll debunk the robbery, and you'll get off scot-free with your money or your belongings. So people, understand this, okay? You need to protect yourself when you're dealing with strangers. With, no matter how pretty the Instagram model or stripper is, they are strangers, and you don't know what, those, what their intentions are at that moment. Uh, last thing, if you're married, just FaceTime your wife and kids. Mm-hmm. That will quickly snap you out of any situation, any irrational decision you may make at the moment with someone you are lusting for. So, again, if you're single, check your check your surroundings. Keep a friend on speed dial. If you're married, just check in with your wife and kids. It only takes a minute, not even a minute to do, to snap you out of, out of that irrational decision that you could make. So... That's to all the athletes, people, married men, doctors, lawyers, barbers, anyone out there listening. Please heed my warning on this. You will save yourself a lot of money, a lot of heartache. That is Moe's Guide to Getting Out of a Bad Booty Call.
for twenty nine ninety five, <laughs> you can buy the entire package. It's definitely worth it. The the only other thing, Mo, that and, and we'll wrap up this segment with this is that Monday night we know that your Oakland Raiders are headed to Mexico, not New Mexico, but old Mexico, to play the Houston Texans. And immediately when I heard this, because I wasn't, you know, I didn't follow it. I didn't know where exactly the game was a couple weeks ago. I thought to myself, why? We, we've gone to England twice. Uh, we might be going to China in two years to play a game. But now we're going to Mexico. And I immediately thought, this is one of the, the, the unsafest places in the world. And, and, a, and a report came out that right now there is a, a spike in cartel-related violence in Mexico City. And immediately following that, the NFL sent out a memo to both teams uh, with a headline that said, do not leave the hotel, which was followed by a line advising players to leave all expensive jewelry at home, uh, not to bring large sums of money, and to definitely not use ATMs. Now, obviously, in a place where there's... Every day there's kidnappings, robberies, extortions, murder going on constantly... Why and how would the NFL put their players and their multi-billion dollar product in harm's way? Secondly, there is also on that same memo that says, do not order room service, eat all meals in the meal room, do not eat outside of the team room, uh, only eat the food that the NFL, NFL is providing from the United States. So you can't leave the hotel before fear of being possibly murdered or, or kidnapped. You can't eat the food for possible... I, I don't know, encephalitis or Ebola or mouth diarrhea. Okay, so what in the world? I understand we want to we wanna share the game with the world, but if it's not safe and you're putting 52 players, uh, multiple executives in harm's way, when is enough enough and when is the NFL going to just stop being so freaking greedy? Well... Two things here, okay? First of all, you said it. NFL wants to globalize the game, and they're and I think they're overdoing it by putting players on harm's way. Because as you said, the memo went out, and and the thing, the NFL, and I hate to say this because I I pray that this does not happen, but the NFL won't learn their lesson unless, say, a football player, a, a known player, maybe gets into some trouble with the cartel. Yeah. At that point it becomes reactionary and NFL says, okay, maybe we're going too far. But we all know with these big companies, they're not going to reel back until something bad happens. And I hate to say, again, I hate to say it, but they will be greedy until something negative happens. A player, I don't know, again, gets held for ransom. And I don't know if you remember, but we had an early podcast where I believe it was the the offensive tackle for the um, Texans. Dwayne Brown said that he had meat in Mexico and he came back and tested positive for some steroid. Yeah. So that's along with what the NFL said, don't eat any of the food, you know, only eat the food that we provide you. And it's just, you're going out there, basically, it's a business trip. You're not out there to have fun, even though players are like, oh, we're going to Mexico, we get to go to a new area and kind of check out the place. And they can't even do that. They can't even really enjoy it because they have all of these restrictions. So, again, both teams, players of both teams have to treat this like a business trip. I'm going into new business, and I'm going to come back to the States and continue with my life. But the NFL... I, I never listen to the NFL when they talk about player safety because you got you get you sending players to Mexico knowing there's a there's a danger aspect to it. You got players playing on Thursday on like two three days rest. They're thinking about extending the season. All the things that they say go against player safety. But you can't take can't take the whole player safety mantra seriously. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's it's really crazy, and you know what? What is it going to take? Is it going to take a player to to come out and say I'm not going? I'm not going to Mexico for fear of of myself, my teammates. Uh, you know, and I understand it's a job and we're getting paid and it is a business trip, like you say, but could you really blame someone like like a, like a Derek Carr or, you know, a, a, you know, anybody that's a name or even not a name? If you're the kicker and you're like, I don't want to go because God forbid something happens. I mean, how can you really how can you blame a guy for that? I, I wouldn't. I would be more afraid. Uh, family members, I'm sure, are even more afraid because they, they have no controls. Basically, they're just waiting back to hope that you know, their their husband comes back or their brother or their, their son comes back safe, you know? And it's, you know, the NFL will probably say it's a small percentage chance of something happening if all the players stay together. You can't, you can't predict everything. And let's say something does happen. God forbid it doesn't, but if something does happen, that's going to be on the NFL's hands. It's going to be on Roger Goodell's watch. It's now time for Building Momentum.
gave out the Cy Young Awards the other day, and it seems like everyone skipped right over Max Scherzer of the Washington Nationals winning the NL Cy Young because Justin Verlander of the Detroit Tigers was snubbed the AL Cy Young. And if you're wondering, well, why are we talking about a guy that was snubbed uh, and not talking about, you know, Rick Porcello, who actually won the award? Well, it's because of uh, Kate Upton, who, you know, if you've never heard of Kate Upton, you need to, you know, Google her or, or get out of your apartment or stop living in your mom's van. Uh, she's, you know, hands down, arguably one of the, you know, hottest women ever in the world. If you've never seen her cat daddy video, uh, I'm not even sure if it's still legally on YouTube, but you should definitely Google that as well. But, uh, you know, just just to set the record straight, Rick Porcello did indeed win the win the Cy Young Award. Uh, Porcello received just eight first place votes to Verlander's 14, but Porcello got 18 second place votes, which finished in the top three of, on 28 of 30 ballots. Now, interestingly enough, uh, even though Verlander won more first place votes, he was left off of two ballots altogether. So there was 30 different writers that voted. Two of them didn't even put him on. Now, curious enough, because Verlander was 16-9 with a 3.04 ERA. Uh, the two guys that didn't write him in were from Tampa Bay. Now, Tampa Bay, you know, barely has a baseball team, but obviously there's some kind of, you know, thing going on there. He also led the league with 254 strikeouts. Obviously, Porcello won 22 games, had a great year. He was one of the main reasons that the Red Sox played so well. But, you know, knowing, watching a lot of baseball like I do, Verlander very easily could have won 22 games himself. But unfortunately, the Tigers did not have a good year, uh, didn't hit very much, and they cost Verlander many problems. But, Mo, I want to pass along the torch to you to, to let the good people know why the beautiful Kate Upton is so angry and what exactly, how she phrased it on Twitter that had the entire world ablaze with, um, I don't want to say remorse, I want to say jealousy, maybe? Um... As you know, I believe Kate, uh, Kate, Kate Upton and uh, Justin Verlander are engaged. So this is her fiance. So of course, if you know he's snubbed for an award, she's going to take a uh, response to it. And her Twitter, uh, her tweet, and I quote, this is what she said on Twitter. Hey, MLB, I thought I was the only one to screw Justin Verlander. What two writers didn't have them on their ballot? Now, I thought that was a perfect response because... One, she has a legitimate gripe. Two, she makes Justin Verlander look like greatness because she's basically publicly admitting that she screws it. So now if I'm Justin Verlander, I'm, I'm sitting back like, yeah, of course. You know, I, I feel good about this because, number one, my fiance, she has my back all the way. Number two, she's admitting that, you know, I get some action for one of the, one of the most attractive women in, the, in America right now. So... If I'm Justin Verlander, I'm, I'm, I'm upset about the ballot, but I'm happy my fiance has my back. To Kate Upton, uh, is unlike any other Twitter response. I know last episode I said fiancés, wives, girlfriends need to stay off Twitter. But if you're going to get on Twitter and have a response, this is the kind of response you want to have. You're not really... You're, you're throwing MLB under the bus, but you're criticizing them, and it's something that a lot of other people probably thought as well. You're not out here calling people names or or... Or, or, say, or saying the game is rigged or anything. You're just saying, hey, like, what's up? What's going on? And again, the response, the innuendo was perfect for the situation. Now, again, Justin Verlander, I think, was the first American League pitcher to, to win for, win the most first-place votes and not get the award. So, again, she has a legitimate gripe. So I, I don't have a problem with what she said. It, it, again, Twitter is a fine line between being clever and being funny. And I think this wasn't offensive to anyone. It's simply a criticism and it's fine in my book. Yeah, it was great. And and just just to, you know, to be to be total clear, she didn't say screw Mo. She said the yeah. F word. She said the yeah. F word. So <laughs> when a hot girl says it like that, even though, you know, maybe Justin's mom might have read it and been a little like, oh, that's kind of cringeworthy, but damn homie i mean that is when your chick is down for you and she goes to bat like that and you know we give miko grimes a hard time but she you know she looks like uh you know beetlejuice and and kate often does not so uh kudos to you kate justin you are a lucky man you're only 33 years old you've got more money than you'll ever spend uh, and you've got plenty more uh, solid years left in you in major league baseball well let's move on to okay yeah yeah, yeah. real quick now with these ballots that these writers cast, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if this is is this is you know 
active or not, but mm -hmm. I think the writers should have a full explanation of why they vote the way they vote instead of just maybe just a vote. Because if you, I think if you had an explanation for why you voted versus just, oh, I don't like that guy or he plays for a certain team, so I'm not going to vote for him, I think you would have a clear cut. I think you would have a clear idea of what, they, what the writer was thinking versus just, okay, I'm just going to vote just based on my feelings. Yeah, well, I don't know if they have to explain themselves, but I think that they should just to clear this up for, for Major League Baseball, sports in general, and, of course, for Kate Upton and her fiancé. No, no, I, I, I totally agree, and and I don't quite understand why you know we have uh there's there was semifinalists you know they they were broken down to a top three, so I don't know why we're still voting you know openly uh for you know first place votes second place votes when you know Major League Baseball came out last week and said you know here's the top three uh in each category you know I'm sure you know again it's a popularity contest to a certain extent if you're a writer for Tampa you might write in Chris Archer or Jacob Arizzi or anybody that pitches for Tampa. And leave off a guy like Justin Verlander because he pitches in the American League and he beat your team, which is 100% unfair. And, you know, not that these writers came out and said who they replaced uh, Verlander with because for fear of, you know, being blackballed out of being, you know, the Baseball Writers of America's Association. But, yeah, you're totally right. There needs to be a little more credibility. You know, how exactly do you, do you get these credentials? I want one. Uh, I mean, what, is it, what does it take? Because, you know, you have to hold yourself to a higher, higher echelon. I mean, even though I'm a Yankee writer, I'm not going to write in, you know, uh, you know, anybody, even if it was Mas uh, Masahiro Tanaka over a Justin Verlander because Justin Verlander had an amazing season. So you have to take your your allegiance out of the equation and just be fair so i mean you know maybe who knows all the things that kate upton said if it, if it eventually breaks down to something more something more transparent coming about uh and being more fair for everyone then great then you know then uh, not only was it funny and hot then uh, it also did some good for uh, the voting process absolutely but ladies if you're gonna stick up again if you're gonna stick up your man on social media Kate Upton's response is the perfect response. Use that as a model going forward. Yes, absolutely. All right, so this week, the MVP was given away in Major League Baseball. And from time to time on this show, we often have a debate. Is it MVP, most valuable player? Is it MOP, most outstanding player? And if you look at the National and American League, it looks like it's one of both. Now, obviously, Chris Bryant had an amazing year for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, even if you, know, you think that Anthony Rizzo was uh, just as important, Without Chris Bryant, more than likely this team is not going to win, uh, you know, not, not going to win the World Series. And, you know, rightfully so. Uh, he had an amazing year. Daniel Murphy finished in second place. And Corey Sager, who won Rookie of the Year in the National League, actually finished in third place. But you can't take away what Chris Bryant did. I mean, the guy had 39 home runs. Uh, just a fantastic player. Third base, left field. He, He's, it's funny, too, because he's the past four years, he's won an award from college to minor leagues to rookie of the year and now MVP. And he's the first person in a four-year span to ever do that. So, I mean, this is a guy that's going to be around for a very long time. Now, the, the opposite side of this, of this argument or, you know, whatever you want to call it is Mike Trout, who, to me, hands down, is the best ball player in the game right now and is still under 26 years old. He's the first player under 26 since Mickey Mantle to win two MVPs. And if you remember, a couple of years ago, Mike Trout, you know, has finished, I think it was third. He finished uh, three times. He finished in second place. And one of those years was to Miguel Cabrera when Miguel had that amazing triple crown win. But that's the thing. The, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim were dreadful this year. They were not going anywhere. They were very, very bad. But Mike Trout still won the MVP award. Now, obviously, uh, Jose Altuve finished third. He plays for the Astros. They weren't much better. But Mookie Betts, who I honestly thought would win it with a 363 on base, uh, was just had a great year and led Boston, really. I mean, I know they had Big Poppy and a couple other players, but they made the playoffs. So with that being said, Mo, I mean, again, we're back to this discussion. Is it MVP? Is it MOP? Part of me feels like Mike Trout was given the award because there was no, you know, maybe no clear-cut favorite in the American League and that, you know, maybe they, the writers felt they owed it. And that goes back to what we were just saying about, you know, do are what are these writers really giving the award out for and is it justified? Yeah, it, I guess it depends on the year. And like you said, maybe if there's not a clear-cut favorite, then you just lean on the best player overall. And the only equivalency I can think of in the NBA would be LeBron James. So if you yeah. don't have... Like a year, we had to go to state quarters and players on one team. If you can't decide on one, then you just go with LeBron because everyone knows <laughs> LeBron's great. But sure. I guess it's the same thing, same thing in baseball, but we're going to continually have this argument. Most outstanding player, best player, most valuable. 
And it all depends on who's voting at this point. Because as you said, the Angels didn't have anything going from this year. Mike Trout, Trout still won the award. So, you know, Chris Bryant, you can say, okay, his team won. And Chris Bryant was great, so no arguments there. But a little, little murky on, on the AL side. But again, it, it all depends on the people voting. So people who are still hoping for maybe Russell to win MVP in NBA or Harden to win, even though those teams may not be the best in the West, there's still a chance based on who's voting. So I don't have a problem either way. It, however you want to vote, I think it matters to the player more than it does the fan because I guess players, they, you know, they get more money for certain awards and certain accolades. Stuff like that. Yeah. Us fans, I mean, we will always be thinking, okay, what are the voters thinking? So it's all in their hand at that point. Absolutely. Well, the Yankees are back in the news, and it's actually, you know, it's it's, it's pretty positive. You know, the, uh, the uh, Brian Cashman, the GM of the Yankees, was able to shed the salary of Brian McCann. Uh, going to be 33 years old this year. He did hit 20 home runs last year, but he only batted about 242. Uh, and it was looking like, obviously, he's lost his job to Gary Sanchez, who slugged 20 home runs in just 52 games, finishing second in the American League uh, Rookie of the Year this past week. So he was uh, Brian Cashman was able to find a, a home for Brian McCann, sending him to Houston, where he will uh, split time with Evan Gaddis behind the plate. More unlikely, he's going to uh, be the everyday catcher because he did have to waive his no-trade clause to allocate a trade to Houston. In return, the Yankees get uh, hard-throwing right-handed pitcher Albert Abreu and Jorge Guzman. And uh, not that I want to tap myself on the back, but last week I wrote an article for uh, Yanks Go Yard where I said that if the Yankees were smart, they would pull Albert Abreu from Houston. He was the number seventh-ranked player in all of Houston's farm system, the number four-ranked shooter. So, you know... Good for me, I guess. You know, I just I don't want to be too braggadocious, Mel. But you, well, you already you just um, did it for like. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I won't. I won't do it again until next week. Um. But anyway, more more more, more pleasantly, uh, it looks like the Yankees are. You know, and it, I don't want to get crazy, but they're they're remaking this team. And if you're one of the people that feel like the Yankees are not stockpiling all of these young, exciting talents to not make a giant trade for a, I don't know, Mike Trout, then, you know, you might want to, you know, shake yourself up a little bit because as I always say, there's only so many positions on the field. You, it's great to have a, a, a plethora of young minor league options, but this is still the New York Yankees. This is still, you know, New York. This is a place that is not going to be okay with not making the postseason, you know, from very much longer. So, you know, I mean, Mo, would you agree that regardless of the team, you want to set yourself up for for the for the big for the long haul for the positive. But would you would would you agree that if you're taking so many young, exciting minor leaguers, would it make sense to eventually package them for a player like a Chris Sale or somebody huge that's going to help this team today, Mike Trout, or or do you stay the course like the Cubs and do you continually add you know incrementally with these young prospects and then hope they all come up ready at once and you, you you know, win the World Series like they did. I mean, I'm just trying to look at it, what's more feasible, uh, you know, being in New York. Is it more feasible to, to do a Cub uh, transition or is it more feasible to say, all right, well, we've got so many so many pieces. Let's trade a couple to, to really, you know, make an impact. I think that'll be up to Joe Girardi once they figure out what the team is like after spring training you know, next yeah. year. So, so I guess it's kind of a wait and see approach right now. As you said, they've stocked a lot of uh, two young arms just now, Albert Abreu and, and, and Jorge Guzman. So you look at it and you say, okay, the Yankees are building for the future. I know we've made jokes about the Yankees coming back in 2018, and that's looking very likely. Maybe they could compete in 2017. Who, who knows? Yeah. But if you look at both models, we've seen it work, as you said, for the Cubs, we've, we've seen it work in the Yankees' DNA. They, they'll package people in and, and pull a star player. Now, Chris Sale is drawing interest from the Braves, I believe. I took a glance. Yeah. I think the Braves are interested, of course. So Chris Sale, by the way, is the same guy who ripped up the throwback jersey <laughs> of the White Sox, who shredded them. So, uh, you know, maybe he, he has an attitude issue, but, you know, still a, still a decent player. But... I think the Yankees will actually package some some players and, and make a move because, again, it's in their DNA. I know they're under new kind of uh, management as far as how things go and how they do trades, but I, I wouldn't rule it out because, as you said, they stockpile some young talent. And as you said, you patted yourself on the back and, and pulled away you, and, and good for you for calling that. Thank but I, I think th- I'm going to call this one. I think the Yankees make a move uh, next year to, to actually compete to 2017 
a little earlier than 2018 we predicted in previous episode. I would love to see that. Uh, you know, uh, obviously being a Yankee, being a fan in general of any team, you want your team to compete. You know, it's it's fine and dandy to. Uh, to add to the farm system and to, and to, you know, give, give yourself hope to say, well, we weren't very good this year, but you know, next year is going to be, you know, better. Well, you know, that that's okay. But as a Yankee fan or a fan of any team that continually competes, uh, you, you can't, you really can't get used to not competing for very long. So we shall see, but, uh, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time. Now let's let's go to hoops real quick. Uh, Vince Carter turning back the clock. Thirty nine years old, the oldest player in the league, averaging seventeen points over the Grizzlies last four games with a forty seven point four percentage from the field. Obviously, only making uh, you know a pretty small four point six four million dollars salaries in the final year of a three year contract. I mean, Mo. What is going on? Why is he doing so well in Memphis? Is this something that is going to be sustained? And are we really going to are we going to see him in the slam dunk competition like rumors have suggested? <laughs> no, we're not going to see Vince Carter. Uh, your air is yeah. Call your inners, but we're not going to see him in any more slam dunk contests. He'll probably be sitting in the stands in his rocking chair watching the young guns do it. But um, it's good to see someone from our youth still playing well because. No more Kobe, no more Duncan, no more Garnett, no more Ray Allen, but we still have Vince Carter in a Memphis Grizzlies uniform. He's pretty good from the three, and he's shooting 47%. Only 10.5 points per game, but I'm looking at Vince Carter, and I'm thinking the Knicks could really use a guy like this because they need a shooter off the bench. Why didn't the Knicks pull Vince Carter? I know Phil Jackson's been around a while. I know he's well acquainted with Vince Carter, his long tenure in the NBA. He could have pulled this guy, maybe. And, and, and got something. But, you know, he, he's, he's spending his three years in Memphis. As you said, I think you said in your notes, this is last year. Mm-hmm. I think this is probably going to be his final rodeo. I don't think he plays as, you know, much longer as a 40-year-old. He turns 40 in January. I don't think he plays much uh, much further. You know, kudos to him for drinking from the fountain of youth and still putting his game out there because Dave, David Fisdale, the new Memphis Grizzlies coach, has changed the philosophy. It's no longer a grind team. They're more of an up-and-down, fast-paced shooting team. So kudos to Vince Carter for acquiescing his game to what Fisdale wants and being productive. Is is VC, Vinsanity, is he a Hall of Famer? I Yeah, that's a good question. Because I know um, he's never won a title, obviously. He got there, you know, once with Toronto. But, uh, I mean, you know, on, on for what he did for the game – you know, you know, bringing it, you know, after Jordan and, and those great years against Iverson. I mean, you'd have to you'd have to put him in the in the in the question, in the equation that, you know, he was one of the most dynamic players for, you know, a stretch of what, six, seven years. And, you know, until he went to the Magic. That's true. But I unfortunately, I don't put him in. Really? I, I, I have him as a really good like borderline. And I understand. I, like, I, I totally get it. He, he was in his prime. This guy was the reason people came to came to games to watch the Toronto Raptors, the New Jersey Nets when they were bad, even Orlando for a short period. But um, he, to me, he just he hasn't done enough on the court as far as accolades to get that Hall of Fame uh, status because it's it's not the it's, I always say this it's not the really good of fame it's the Hall of Fame. <laughs> okay, we have to. It, you got to have some type of standard to say, okay, certain good players are just not going to make it. And I admit, Vince Carter was really good, and he he lit up the slam dunk contest. But if we're going to have a bunch of slam dunkers in the Hall of Fame, a lot of players would make it. So if you take out the slam dunk contest and you say, okay, what has he done on the court for the teams that he's played for? I think he's really good, but I don't think he's Hall of Fame worthy. All right. Well, I'm going to open the really good of fame. He's going to get in, and so is Harold Miner. Is that okay with you? Maybe Spud Webb? Anybody, anybody else you'd like to induct into maybe John so. Starks? Carter, by the way, Vince Carter went to North Carolina, so it's no, it's no surprise that Mike wants him in the Hall of Fame. Well, you know, I mean, I have a little bit of bias, although if you remember back, he was not the star on those North Carolina teams. It was Antoine Jameson who was actually drafted before him for Golden State, and they was traded. Remember that trade that took place? Uh, on draft day with Golden State in Toronto. So, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I feel good when I get to see number number 15, you know, you know, looking back in the, the beautiful North Carolina Argyle, Argyle theme. But yeah, uh, I would put him in, but again, no one is surprised by that. Well, that is it for uh, Building Momentum. We're going to be right back with a wrap-up. We're going to give you our uh, Week 11 picks, and hopefully they are better than last week. We'll be right back. 
I'm not bragging because I was six and eight. Mo was four and ten. Unfortunately, in the Mike and Mo versus the World uh, Fantasy League, I got hosed by the defense that stinks. The dreaded negative point defense. I lost 124 and a half to 125 and a half. It may have hurt my uh, my playoff seating if I'm even going to get in at this point. I definitely can't drop any more games. Mo, I believe you won, correct? Of course I won. Okay, I mean, how could I not win? And we, we had a pact. I mean, last week, Sean, I said, look, Mike, I, Mike, Laura, and I, we all need to win our games because that we would all help each other out if we all won. So, of course, Mike being the only one left is, I believe it was Dallas' defense yep, in. Yep. And they got a negative 2.5, I think. Ugh. And, it, and it took him out of, out of that win column, man. Fortunately for Mike, he's still in second place behind Laura. I'm going to do him a solid this week, and I'm going to knock Laura down on a peg. Please do. So that Mike can come up, so that you can be two games behind her. Even though you didn't do me any favors last week, me being the nice guy that I am, being the charitable guy that uh, I am, yes. I'm going to take out Laura and do Mike a favor and give him a second chance in his division. Well, I appreciate that, but I, I really couldn't have done much more. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger had a huge week. Uh, Devontae Adams is playing like Calvin Johnson in his prime, 35 points. Jordy Nelson had a great week. I mean, it was literally the defense. Had I not started the Cowboy defense, which I'm not sure why I did, and kept in Seattle. I mean, again, Seattle was playing New England. I I thought Brady would have played a little bit better, but... Uh, for all intents and purposes, it looks like Seattle's for real right now. Russell Wilson is finally finally looks semi healthy and is and is moving the ball. And they're they're getting back Thomas Rawls this week. CJ Procise is now the number one that they've let go of. Uh, you know of your boy uh, Christine Michael. Never trust a guy with two first names. So that team is headed down the right track. But yeah, Mo, I was devastated when I saw that one point loss. I just I said, really? I mean, come on. I, I actually thought I was gonna pull within a game and. A first place in my division, and I'm rooting, and I'm like, okay, he's he's got this because I, I agree with you. I would have started uh, Seattle's defense against New England, so I don't blame him for that one. But it's just rough knowing that Dallas couldn't couldn't even just pull a zero. That's yeah. that's all I had to do was just pull a zero, and yeah. it reminds me, and I I believe I texted you when it happened. The same thing happened to me on Monday Night Football with the Minnesota Vikings. I trusted them to shut down the Bears, and it didn't happen. So yeah, well, that was the week I played you, so I wasn't. If you're in a fantasy league and you need to win with the defense, it's probably best not to start them yeah. if you're playing a really good offense. But you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna handle the business myself, and I'm gonna take down Laura, and and maybe Mike turns it around and wins the game because right now Mike and I are both six and four, so we're both pushing for that two spot in both our divisions. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. This week. Well, hopefully our picks now will lead you to some kind of fantasy victory because it didn't work for me last week. But let's get started. Buffalo and the Bengals. If you watch the Bengals on Monday night against the Giants, uh, they're still kind of inept. They, they, uh, some quarters are good, some quarters are bad. I am going to take Buffalo. I like the the chemistry that Tyrod Taylor's got going on with Robert Woods right now. Shady McCoy looks to be about 90%. Uh, and that Bengal team, I just don't trust. They're not making the playoffs. And maybe maybe Marvin Lewis's time with Cincinnati is coming to an end. Yeah, I think the Bengals, they lost too much. They lost Muhammad Sanu. They they lost Marvin Jones. They lost Hugh Jackson. Who I, I always said this. I said he was the battery that was in the back of Andy Dalton and him uh, turning things around and being a pretty good quarterback. And you see the difference now. Yes, they have Tyler Eifert. They have A.J. Green, but it's just not enough. The Bengals didn't look good on Monday Night Football. I like the way the Bills played the Seattle Seahawks before their bye, and I think they get this win over the Bengals. Another game, another team, another mediocre performance last week. They looked like they were going to beat the Cowboys. Talking about the Steelers, obviously. Dan Marino, uh, I mean, uh, excuse me, Ben Roethlisberger with that play in the fourth quarter. Uh, And then you just can't stop Ezekiel Elliott. Their defense is so, so porous. So uh, with that being said, they're playing the Browns. And if you... If you're looking for the Browns to go 0-16, well, it's it's might come to fruition. So I'm taking the taking the Steelers for a big bounce back game. Uh, Antonio Brown finally played like a number one pick last week. Uh, Cleveland Browns fans, cover your ears. The Browns are going 0-16, whomped by the Ravens on Thursday Night Football not too long ago. Now you face a Steelers team who comes off a game that they should have won. Pittsburgh pulls it together and wins this game. Browns go 0-11. 0-11. The Ravens and the Cowboys. 
Rain Dakota Prescott continues his reign over the NFL. Uh, I just I know the Ravens have a you know always a good defense, but I just can't I can't see them going point for point with the Cowboys. Yeah, Ezekiel uh, Elliott continues to run. I wouldn't say wild because the Ravens' defensive line is pretty good, but they get it done because the Ravens are pretty up and down. And if you remember, they started the season three and zero, then they dropped I believe three or four games, then they got back in the winning column. They played the Browns for crying out loud. So Cowboys are a much better team. They they take this one nine and one. Good for Prescott. Romo remains on the sideline. Jaguars and the Lions. The Jaguars are supposed to be where the Lions are, and the Lions are supposed to be where the Jaguars are in the crazy NFL world that we have this year. But Matthew Stafford's playing for a $25 million a year contract, so I'm giving Matt Stafford some love, and I think the Lions are going to roll over the Jaguars and you know, more than likely like a 35-21 shootout. Uh, you know, I'm going to call something here. If the Lions win this week, which I think they will, they'll beat the Jaguars because the Jaguars are terrible. Yeah, and the Packers lose this week. I think the Lions could win that division, Ooh. but I, you know, I'm just putting that out there. I'm just putting that idea out there. But the Lions win, easy game against the Jaguars. I believe the Giant, uh, the Jaguars, they're gonna fire their head coach eventually. I think the players know this, and I think this team is pretty much gonna give up the rest of the way. Titans and the Colts. Maurice has been just trying to get me on this Titans bandwagon since like week four, and I think it might have finally worked. I, I got to see a lot of that Packer-Tennessee uh, game last week, and there's just times where Marcus Mariota just looks like an accomplished NFL quarterback. He's got a hell of an arm. He can scramble. He just flicks, flick it a wrist, and he just throws it up there. And, um, yay, I mean, they got up. They got a lot of weapons. DeMarco Murray's having a great year. Delaney Walker's one of the top five tight ends in the league. I still would like to see them get some real wide receivers to help Mariota. But until they do, I'm, I'm going to go with them this week because they're playing the Colts, and the Colts couldn't stop Mimo and Laura, uh, a rushing attack that consists of that. So, uh, yeah, Titans. Uh, it's funny because I got you on the Titans bandwagon finally, and I'm picking the Colts in this oh. game because I, I mean, Andrew Luck coming off of a bye week. I look at it this way: the Colts had two weeks to prepare for this team. The Colts have already beaten the Titans in a close game earlier this season. I, I like the Titans. I just don't think they can beat the high-powered teams that can play a little bit of defense. I know they beat the Packers last week, and I know the Colts aren't a good defensive team. But Vontae Davis is probably going to shadow Rashard Matthews, who's come along as a wide receiver. Uh, one quick statement, though. I, I, the way I look at Marcus Mariota right now, I look at Marcus Mariota as Colin Kaepernick with better accuracy. Now, that hmm. that's huge because, as you know, Colin Kaepernick went to the Super Bowl under, under Jim Harbaugh, and Marcus Mariota doesn't have a coach that's even comparable to Jim Harbaugh right now, Mike Malarkey. Yeah. But I think he has that type of talent. I think he's actually a better player than Jameis Winston, but the Colts win this game. I would love to see Peyton Manning take over that team in like a John Elway executive type role and really, really get them right because it's a team with a lot of talent. But, uh, you know, we shall see in the offseason. Moving to the Bucs and the Chiefs, you know, Jameis Winston was the number one quarterback a couple years ago. Marcus Mariota was two. We were always going to have that debate of who was the better pick. Uh, For this week, at least, I'm going to go with Mariota, meaning I'm taking the Chiefs over the Bucs. Uh, they got a lot of banged up players in Kansas City, but they still got a really solid defense. And we've seen when Jameis just gets under pressure, instead of throwing the ball away, he will take a 10 to 12 yard sack. He's just got to get a little bit, you know, more confident with that ball and play more, you know, like a, like a, a veteran than, you know, taking that huge sack that knocks your, your team out of field position. Uh, Raiders fans are going to hate me for saying this, but I got to give the Chiefs a lot of credit. I think they could win that division. I did. I had them third in my preseason uh, uh, predictions, but the way they play, they came back down 17-0 against the Panthers last week. And this is a team that just never says die. Under Andy Reid, they're pretty good. They're solid under pressure. They don't lose games that they should lose. <laughs> <laughs> They're really good in the pressure, and they they win games that they should win. I should say. Okay, that's fair. Uh, against the Bucks, and they'll go, I believe, eight and two, if I'm not mistaken, and continue to hold that first place spot in the AFC West. All right, Cardinals and Vikings. This was supposed to be a good game, like you know, when week three of the NFL season started. But now it's just kind of like uh, we'll see. So I mean, I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take Arizona. 
Because I just, I, I, Bradford is playing like the Bradford of old, and, uh, you know, you would think Arizona's got to have something to tank, but, you know, there's a disconnect there, whether it's, you know, Carson and Palmer and his receivers, or David Johnson just not being focused enough in, in the game plan. Uh, you know, they've got some time to get it righted, but, you know, hopefully this week it starts, so Arizona. This is probably the toughest game for me to pick, because... You look, look at the Vikings and you you see how good their defense could be, but it hasn't been that good in so long. And then you look at the Cardinals and they're struggling. They struggled to beat the San Francisco 49ers last week. I believe they won 23 to 20. So it's kind of like, okay, one of these struggling teams has to win. If I flip a coin, I say, okay, who has the better offense? I'm going with the Cardinals. Uh, the Vikings defense, ever since they lost that Monday night game where I was depending on them for, for my fantasy team, I've just lost hope in the Vikings. Then they lose to the Lions, and just they lost to the Redskins. I, I just can't depend on the Vikings for anything right now. Cardinals win this game. Bears and the Giants. The Bears are a mess. They're a dumpster fire. There's so many different things. Alshon Jeffrey's been suspended four games for PED use. Again, he didn't know he was taking it. Jay Cutler looks like he plays at a Division II school. Uh, and, you know, the Giants are the Giants. They're still playing well. They still almost give away games at the end. But, you know, JPP looks like a man on a mission this year. Obviously, another guy that wants to get paid. And if Eli Manning can just, you know, stop with the interceptions, uh, you know, this team could challenge for a wild card. So I'm taking the Giants against the Bears. Yeah, I'm going with the Giants, even though they didn't look impressive in their win against the Cincinnati Bengals. I still have reservations about this Giants team. I don't think they're as good as their record suggests. Of course, you play who's on the schedule. And that's, that's what it is right now. But, again, the Giants barely beat the Cincinnati Bengals, who aren't that good. But they'll win this game against the Bears because the Bears are terrible. Terrible. And the players have lost faith. And reports are that players have lost already lost faith in Jay Cutler as their quarterback. As you said, Alshon Jeffrey suspended. So Cameron Meredith is their number one receiver. You got Zach Miller there. Uh, Jordan Howard has it had an Achilles issue, but he looks like he's going to play, but the Giants run defense is pretty good. So I, you know, the Giants should win this game handily very easily in their stadium. Well, the debut of Jared Goff is happening now. It only took 11 weeks and a really bad season by uh, Jeff Fish's group, but they're playing the Dolphins. And as much as it pains me to pick the Dolphins, I have to, uh, for, you know, multitude of reasons, obviously, Jai looks for real. Jared Goff is playing, so that's going to be interesting. And uh, Todd Gurley has left his running shoes back at the University of Georgia. So Dolphins, unfortunately. Yeah, Jared, Jared Goff is going to throw two to three interceptions. He's not going to amass more than 150 passing yards. The Dolphins will win this game very easily. They should win this game. They should be embarrassed if they don't. But how does it feel, Mike, that the best team in your state is the Miami the Dolphins? So who had that coming? Yeah, Miami. No, I think he's six and four going into week twelve. I'm, so. I'm telling you, they're still not a very good team, especially seeing them live. They're very undisciplined, and I really think that if you took all three. Florida teams you couldn't make one super team I really feel that way but you know battle of the birds the Philadelphia Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks the Philly fan is very upset he hasn't called in in a number of weeks so uh with that being said like I like I talked about earlier the Seahawks look like a team primed to go back uh to make a long playoff run so Seahawks all the way I mean they they limited Brady last week so you just think what they could do to Carson Wentz as a rookie and I, yeah. I know a lot of times I've on the show I said Carson Wentz is going to look like a rookie against Team X, Team Y, Team Z. He's going to look like a rookie this Sunday against the Seahawks because their defense is looking back in the form, and it's in Seattle. So Seattle's got this W in the bag. Yeah. And uh, speaking of that, Brady, he's going to play uh, be a man on a mission this week. Uh, if you saw that new Foot Locker commercial, pretty funny. Uh, you know, maybe a little less commercial, a little bit more uh, time on the field, but, you know, who cares? They're playing the 49ers. They should win in a rout. Uh, even if uh, Gronkowski doesn't play, uh, Bennett will be more than enough to destroy a really depleted secondary. Patriots by 20 at minimum. Ooh. And that's and that's with a mercy rule in place because yeah. there's no way. There's, I mean, I know last year there was a surprise. The Patriots, I believe, lost to the Eagles late in the season. But that Eagles team had twice as much talent as this 49ers team, who eerily is also close by Chip Kelly. But no surprises this week with the Patriots. They win this game after coming off of a loss, especially. So they're probably going to put up a 50-burger on San Francisco. Sunday night, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers versus my boy Kirk Cousins and the Redskins. 
I do. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just don't. I don't believe in the Packers anymore. I'm getting off the bandwagon. I know they got Christine Michael, but it's just. I mean, it's very possible the Packers could could take this game and then and you know right the ship in the NFC North. But right now at home, I'm taking Washington. Jordan Reed has still got to get a little bit more involved. I know Vernon Davis is having you know a, you know a comeback season. Uh, for whatever reason, maybe people just don't believe it's actually him without the dreads. But I'm going to take Washington uh, and hope for a, a shootout type of game. Two things here, Mike. Number one, you are jumping off the Packers bandwagon too early. <laughs> yeah. Number two, I know I admit this episode that Kirk Cousins is for real, but he's not for real enough to beat the Packers when they have their cornerbacks playing. Again, I said Micah Hyde and Quentin Rollins could have played this weekend. I think that's going to be the difference. Josh Norman called... Aaron Rodgers, a wizard, which he is. People are, are again, overblowing the demise of Aaron Rodgers. I think the Packers right the ship, and they get the win, save their playoff chances, because I don't see them going 4-6 and six at this point in the season. All right, and that aforementioned Monday night game, the Houston Texans and the Raiders from Mexico. I'm taking the Raiders because I'm a huge Raider fan. Finally. <laughs> so you finally, you finally traded in your Denver Broncos jersey for a Derek Carr. Number four, Raiders. I mean, for this, yeah, until the until the Broncos get Tony Romo, sure. <laughs> well, anyway, the Raiders win this game. The last time Brock Osweiler saw the Raiders, Khalil Mack sacked them five times. Now I know his offensive line is a little better in Houston, but the Houston Texans' defense of line, their run defense, isn't that good. And we saw that Raiders backfield run all over Denver. I think they repeated again against the Texans and win this game to improve to eight two. And there you have it. Those are the picks. Hopefully we do a little bit better this week than last week. Hopefully your fantasy team can perform and not drop, you know, a point like mine did. But, you know, who knows? So, uh, Mo, anything else to uh, wrap it up before we say goodbye to episode 40? Quick shout-out to Laura. Um, I'm going to win this fantasy matchup. We, we actually play each other in two different leagues, which is very strange. I'm, I'm going to win both. Oh. Um, she had a lot of interesting dis- things to say over Twitter. But I won't repeat them. I'm not going to give her the satisfaction or the credit of her clever digs, but I will say that I will come out victorious 2-0 and against her in one week. Who else does that to a person? Beats them twice in one week. I know Mike has two wins against me, but he didn't yep. do it in the same week. Nope. I'm going to do something that no other fantasy player has probably done in history and crush Laura twice in one fantasy. Yeah, well, I'm, man, I'm rooting for you because, like you said, Laura is uh, still in first place in the division, so hopefully she can uh, drop it like it's hot. And then, uh, you know, I have to win. I mean, I, I, I can't blame anybody but myself. That defense was horrendous. So uh, we shall see. But that's episode 40. As always, Stitcher is the place to find the Mike and the Mo Show. You can go on iTunes and download all 40 episodes. That is a lot of hours of talk radio but they're all good i promise uh facebook twitter mike and mo show follow the show share the show like the show of course we appreciate you guys listening from mike here in orlando and mo in brooklyn we appreciate you and until next week stay good be kind to one another and we'll talk to you then take care bye-bye